We now are joined by, better late than ever, uh, Joel Klatt, who uh, normally joins us on Wednesdays, but he had some things going on. He's a very busy man, but he, he was able to join us today, and he joins us presented by Audi Flatirons. Joel, good morning. How are you? Good morning. What's going on? How are you guys? We're great. Now, before we go any further, okay, um, okay. Cecil Cecil would like to say something. And Joel, I'm sorry. I, I mean, Mike didn't want me to say this. I had to talk him into this because you know how Mike Evans is. But, like, for years and years and years, you you and I have been at each other. And I've always said Joel Klatt's the best college football analyst in the world because you are, brother. And, and you know how much I respect your opinion and I know how much you know about this game. We had a little tiff years ago over Connor Cook, Paxton Lynch, which sounds ridiculous right now, right? Like, we were arguing over Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch. So uh, I guess karma has a way of proving that wrong. But I've always blamed Mike Evans. But no, no, it's what? myself. You're the one that set us up. Well, you totally, you love to drive wedges. Maybe I did a little and bit. And so I wanted to take the next opportunity. And yeah, brother, it's been seven years. I want to take the next opportunity to say, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my bad, Joel. I got a big mouth. No, it's nobody's fault. It's the draft process's fault. This is what the draft process does. And I appreciate you saying that, Cecil, but you, no need. But this is what the draft process does is that it, it pits you into a position where if you, let's say, make an argument or let, let's say you take a position for a, a certain player, like this year, it's going to be now, granted, you, you bring up a good point about those two players. Those were definitely lesser of two evils, if you will. Right, but right. Let's say this year it's going to be like some people will say, Caleb Williams should be number one. Others will say Drake May should be number one. Yes. Others might even argue for a guy like Michael Penix, you know, to be um, uh, up there. And if you take a position for one guy, what it what generally happens in the draft process is that everyone thinks that you're trying to hate on or that you don't like the other player. Right. And that's what I I to be honest with you, I disdain about the draft process because. That's not the case. You can like both players, but you've got to have one over the other. So uh, you look for those small margins. But well, hey, we listen, also know, I, Joel. I, I appreciate you saying that, and and I will I will back you up. It's usually Evans' fault. Yes, so. it usually is. But I, here's the thing: it's always about fit, Joel. It's fit in this league, and that's why, I like C.J. Stroud, who I guess Frank Reich really wanted, and I still like Bryce Young. But like, it's that conversation, right? It's Stroud versus Young, and oh, Young's got to be a bust. No, Young just doesn't really fit. And CJ yeah. Stroud has found his fit, so that's well, what it is. Or about. it's or it's quality around you, right? You know, right. and and Houston has more around Stroud than clearly Carolina has around Young. And it's it's really unfortunate, and that's why when when players come around that are independent of fit, one they're rare, obviously, but but you know that's why we treat them with the you know the the respect that they they deserve, I guess, and. I would make an argument that, you know, that we might have that player this year in Caleb Williams, but we're probably not here to discuss that right now yet, at least. No, we got so much ground to cover with you, and I'm really disappointed at this new kumbaya between you two because I was really enjoying... You well, just wait that. for the draft process. I was just keeping. I was just, right. I, I, See, that's the thing. Is was, like we can just get to the draft process, was, and then we can be at each other's throats. Was, right. I was right. really looking forward to keeping this going, but uh, I guess not. Anyway, seven years long enough. Here probably. we go. Here we go. Uh, let's go. Let's jump in. Joel, did the committee get it right with Florida State? Okay, so there there is no right answer. So it's a trick question. That's you know, and that's what everyone wants to talk about getting it right. Um, if you go by what they were 
charged with doing, then yes, I think that you can answer that in the affirmative. Now, I have long held the the, the position that I would go with the four most deserving teams. You know, it would be really hard for me to leave Florida State out, and yet there were five deserving teams this year. This is not like they put a team in there that didn't win their conference championship or didn't play for their conference championship. This is not a team that, that got a get-out-of-jail-free card. There was five really good Power Five conference champions, and, and this is what they took. And based on the criteria that the committee used, um, in particular a, a specific criteria that talks about the unavailability of players and how that will affect the postseason performance, I think that you can make a, a strong argument that they did the right thing. And, and the thing is, is that they were validated in that as soon as the lines came out. And we saw the great matchups that were getting in the playoff, and then we saw the 14 spread, uh, 14 spread immediately in that Georgia-Florida State game. I feel really bad for the Florida State players. This is not how we should be crowning a champion, but it is the flawed system that we're under. And, and with the criteria like they were given, you know, I, it's hard to argue with what they gave us. Joel, what do you say to the Deion Sanders haters? And, and I've often said on air, like, uh, the people that hate on Deion, they're probably revealing stuff about themselves they may not want to reveal. But, like, what do you say? Because I'm excited. I love it. I, I'm here for it. I still wear my prime sweatshirt proudly. Uh, but but what do you say when people bring up the slide for CU and, oh, Dion, he's just a recruiter. He's, he's all talk. Like, how do you respond to that? Well, I... I it is, it is fascinating that it's, he's one of these polarizing figures that you can't just say you're not a fan of. You've got to actively go out there and, and, and try to, I, I don't know, hate on him. You know, and there, there are people like that. Um, I do find it fascinating, though, that those people won't acknowledge the staggering improvement from from year to year right the fact that they hit the over in vegas in terms of total wins the fact that their roster was completely transformed uh, the fact that with with a small improvement on the offensive and defensive line this is very likely uh, an eight or nine win team next year with a far easier schedule than what they play they they refuse to acknowledge that every team loses an assistant or two or a transfer, or two, or three, or four, or five. I mean, Ohio State has had, I believe, nine guys enter the portal. So, you know, do we write articles about Ryan Day in the same vein that we write about Deion Sanders? Deion has, has what I would call the prime effect, which is, in, in our country, when, when you are a, a highly successful person, or in particular, you know, highly famous, if you're a nine or a ten, people want to tear you down. So some will love you and others want to tear you down. We love fives in this country. You know, I've made this analogy before. And, and if, if you hate Dion, you take anything that happens and you make it, a, you know, the biggest deal possible about it. And then same on the other side. Um, but it, this is absolutely working. Jordan Seaton just committed number one offensive tackle in the country. I believe that there's going to be another incredibly strong transfer class as well as high school class. I believe that they're going to flip a couple of different commitments here in the next uh, week or so from other schools that are highly, highly ranked recruits. And, and I think that next year they could be competitive at the top end of the big 12. And if you're asking me like, does, you know, does, does that 
constitute an incredible job by the head coach? Yes, it would obviously do that. Visitor Joel Klatt, presented by Audi Flatirons. You know, forever, the NFL has had the best minor league development system ever in college football. But I wonder if that's in danger of being impacted when you hear these stories about how Marvin Harrison Jr. is looking at like a 25 to $30 million NIL package to stay at Ohio State for another year, which would be far more money in one year in college than he would make over his rookie deal uh, in the NFL, even as a, as a top five pick. Is, is this a real story developing here in, in your mind? You know, I'm going to track this down. Um, because I, I know enough people at Ohio State that I can get the, the real information. I find it incredibly hard to believe that, that there could be something of, of that magnitude. Generally speaking, um, the dollar figures that you hear are inflated um, in the NIL uh, space. And because the, the people, see, it's, it's very different than a contract. In a contract, obviously, it's just public and, and you can see it, and it's derived via a market. And that market is not an irrational market. That market is is generally a very secure market based on your production in, in the National Football League. This type of market is not based on that. It is a completely irrational market because it is it is funded by fans and boosters, not the organization. Right. So like not an owner that has a stake in it. These, these are not stakeholders that make this market. So it's an irrational market and do guys get overpaid? Yes. Is it generally overstated? Yes. And the reason is, is because these, these players and, and the agencies that represent them, they have an incentive to inflate the market, right? Because then they can go out there and try to get bigger deals. I find it very hard to believe that someone in Columbus wants to give or will give Marvin Harrison $20 million. I just, I find that very hard to, to, to believe. Now, Mike, you bring up something that's a little bit different in that, like the NFL, the breeding ground that is college football, this minor league system. I do think that players will stay in college football longer because of their opportunities in NIL. Now, I don't think that that's Marvin Harrison style top five picks. But I do believe that those are guys that are going to be in the third, fourth, or fifth round. Bo Nix last year would have been maybe a fourth or fifth round pick, the quarterback at Oregon. If you look at what a fourth or fifth round pick is going to make, even a, a you know mid-round pick, you're, you're looking at a guy that will not make a million dollars annually in his rookie contract. Well, he's going to make over that in that year at o- Oregon. So the middle round picks can make more money in college football than they do in the National Football League. And I actually think in, in some ways this is going to help the National Football League because right now, and Cecil knows this, like we have guys that that are not ready to be in the NFL that go to the NFL. Right. And they go too early and they're not developed. And and it's hurt the product. Tom Brady has talked about this. And, and I think the longer that we allow guys to stay in school and to develop both personally and as a football player might actually help the league yeah. in the in the long run. But we're going to have to find that balance and that, that equilibrium of, of where that is. I do find it fascinating, though. It's an interesting time right now. And, and think of it this way. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but 
imagine for a moment like how wildly the pendulum has swung in just a short amount of time. It went from completely restrictive and, and zero NIL opportunities. You don't retain your own name, image, and likeness. You can't move around without sitting out a year. And the pendulum has swung so far. We're talking about a guy making $20 million in one season, <laughs> potentially. Now, I think that's inflated, but whatever. And you're also talking about a system which would allow a player in five calendar years to basically get a bite at the free agency NIL apple three different times. As a high school player, he can take a bite at that apple. He can transfer one time. Then he can graduate and transfer a, a, a second time. That's three bites at the free agency apple in a five-year span. And it happens at his discretion, not at the end of a term, but at his discretion. Think about how wildly the pendulum has swung in just a short amount of time. Yeah, it's the Wild West for sure. Joel, you will not be surprised that our man Mike Evans has half the fan base mad at him about the Russell Wilson thing. <laughs> Mark Schlereth saying, I can get a guy from Smoky Hill High School to do what Russell Wilson is doing. And watching the film, <laughs> Evans is making everybody mad. So where do you come down on Russell Wilson and what you've seen uh, you know, especially in that Texas and, and, and real quick, just a, a bit of context. I don't know if uh, if you were able to look at it from the TV, but Mark showed me the the game, the uh, coach's copy, and on that he's long, just learning about Exos, Joel, and that cross that oh, long that, that long crossing uh, route to uh, Jerry Judy, where Judy showed his frustration, along with that last um, the 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 first and goal situation at the eight, the yep. second down play. Uh, in both cases, if it looked to me. I'm just a slappy, but, uh, you know, Mark was was adamant about this, that just a little bit better pocket awareness and and being able to go through from one to two, that you would have had two easy walk-in touchdowns for for Jerry Judy. That's uh, that's what's led to some of the debate this week. So, and I've said this this year, you know, Russell is what he is. And let me go back to a previous answer I had mentioned, like, players that are, that are independent of, of fit. And, and Mike, I've talked a lot about guys that are independent of the X's and O's. You know, are they above the X's and O's or do they have to fit in the X's and O's? And, and Russell is not an above the X's and O's player. Things have to um, appear and have to be right for him to succeed. And he very rarely will go above the, the X's and O's and make plays that are not there to be made. The frustration occurs in that, you know, Russell's at his best if he can maybe improvise a little bit and, and be outside of the pocket. Because when he's inside the pocket, it, it, he actually does an incredibly poor job of working through the entirety of the concept. You know, generally speaking, a concept will have, well, depending on the coverage, obviously, you're going to have five free releases at some point, whether they're checking in protection or they're, or they're not. And, and against zone, you generally have a, a movement key, a zone movement key, and, and some sort of, of bracketing effect, usually with three of those five free releases. And, and that's kind of your base concept, if you will. That's, that's where you would sit in the foundation. And then you've got a couple of other routes that are there either as outlets or alerts based on coverage. And you're going to take those. Now, against man coverage, you generally have a straight progression, what one through five of a, of a way that you're going to read through 
that concept and, and, you know, the open man gets the ball and hopefully that happens on time. Here's what I see with Russell. Russell has a really hard time getting to number two. And then he's got an exceptionally hard time of getting to number three, whether that's in the the zone movement key situation or in the man defense situation. I don't know if it's that he doesn't see it or he doesn't trust his ability to manipulate the pocket, but it's generally, hey, if it's not there right away with one, maybe two, I need to kind of move around. And then what you see is he has this little squat. And as soon as you see any quarterback in the pocket and they their, their rhythm leaves their feet and they mm-hmm. kind of like squat down for a moment and it's kind of like, oh, do I need to run? <laughs> There's this moment of a, of, yeah. of a small flinch. Yeah. Yep. That's when you know a quarterback doesn't know what he's looking at or, or, or doesn't feel it or is not comfortable. That happens far too often with Russell and it, and it causes him to miss some of those open um, opportunities that you guys are talking about. Great stuff. Uh, real, real fast. Do you have a Heisman vote, and if you do, who are you giving it to? I, I do, and and I I would tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Well, go ahead. Come get me. <laughs> come, come, come get a taste. <laughs> oh man, go over it. <laughs> you just said bring it on. I love it. I um, I'm feeling like I a Montana cowboy in, right in now. No, in no particular order. For uh, Daniels, Penix, and Bo Nix. You go Daniels, Penix. Uh, in no particular order. In no particular order. order. So you, wow, shocking. You're going with the quarterbacks. Well, well, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I mean, what? Well, like, I'm sorry. Do you not? I'm Joel. Do you not? Have you not known me for a decade? Am I going with the quarterback? You're of right. Course sorry, I sorry. What was I thinking? Slap me upside. Just give the him head. a huff slap. Just You'll slap me upside the head. Last, uh, last, last question. The fact that Caleb Williams and Drake May are not part of the Heisman finalists does that change your view of them at all? As pros, no, because it 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 has you know morphed into you know kind of a partial team award and individual award. You know, you take a look at the guys that have lost the most amount of games since like 2000. You're looking at like Lamar Jackson, uh, who was who was incredible. Tim Tebow, they actually lost I think three games in the year he uh, won the Heisman Trophy, and there was maybe like one other in there that that lost. Oh yeah, Robert Griffin the third lost three games, but it's some combination of of the two. And North Carolina and USC just fell woefully short of of where they needed to be. Joel, have a great weekend, my man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Have a, have a great day. And I, by the way, I, I love being on on Fridays. Uh, I don't think that you guys are allowed to call it what it actually is, but you know it's an all-balls football Friday. It is all-balls. Yeah. Absolutely. We can say that. We we just did. Thank you, Joel. I didn't even know. I didn't know. You uh, know, hey, hey, banned, not, not banned. Not yeah, banned. Yeah, right now, history. right now, not banned. So that's good. Thanks, pal. Later. Joel Klatt. Presented by Audi Flatirons.